everybody, welcome to the Regeneration Podcast. I'm Jay, and um, today, really special episode, I am in a conversation with John Ortberg. John is a pastor and an author, and uh, many of you know him from his written work, um, so many books over the years that have been influential and impactful. And today we are talking about his latest book, which is called Eternity is Now in Session, all about heaven and uh, eternal reality, both now and on into actual eternity. Um, And this is a really special episode because uh, in a couple of weeks, on October 27th, John is one of the main speakers at our annual Regeneration Forum event on Saturday, October 27th um, in the Bay Area of California, in Milpitas, California. And um, tickets are on sale now. It's going to be an incredible event. It's sold out the last few years. And uh, this year we've got, like I said, John Ortberg, as well as our good friend Joshua Ryan Butler, the author of Skeletons and God's Closet and the Pursuing God. Um, we've got Zach Bolin from the band Citizens leading the music, Dr. Gary Brashears, um, Dan Kimball, myself, Isaac, who co-hosts the podcast with me, so many others. Uh, and you don't want to miss it. It's going to be an incredible day. So tickets are on sale now. They're only $20 or less. That includes lunch. So it's basically a free event. Um, go to regenerationproject.org slash forum. Again, that's regenerationproject.org slash forum. And you can get your tickets there and find out more info as well. So grab some friends, get a group together, and we'll see you on Saturday, October 27th at the Regeneration Forum. And now on to our conversation with John Ortberg. Today I am chatting with John Ortberg. John is pastor and a speaker and an author. Uh, Many of you, if not most of you, have been influenced by his work over the years. I know I've been tremendously influenced um, by your work from a distance, but also as a church leader here in the Bay Area, um, the way you've influenced church leaders here in the Bay uh, as well as nationally. So, John, thanks so much for spending some time. Thank you for saying those very kind things. I will be sure and tell my wife. <laughs> um, let's jump right in. You, uh, Your newest book is called Eternity is Now in Session. And it, it dives into, obviously, based on the title, eternity and the idea of heaven and these concepts that in some ways in pop culture have become caricatures. You know, words are a funny thing because you say heaven and it can mean now, it can mean all sorts of things. So I want to begin by asking you, um, why now? Why did you decide I'm going to write a book about eternity right now? Was there something you were seeing that was happening or not happening in the church at large uh, or just sort of a cultural climate? Why why this book now? Uh, Yeah, these are uh, thoughts, ideas, understandings that have been rolling around in my mind for a long time. Mm. And uh, uh, a lot of them are um, uh, thoughts that a guy by the name of Dallas Willard was Mm -hmm. really helpful uh, for me and for many, many other people to think about more clearly. and uh, I recently turned 61 years old, and I'm not getting any younger. Congrats. And I thought I got to be thinking about what are some of the, what are some of the messages and ideas that feel really important to try to bring clarity to. Hmm. So I want to ask you about that. You know, I think for most Christians, mm-hmm. maybe not most, but I think many, at least many Christians, would say, "Well, heaven, eternity, I get it. You know, I said yes to Jesus." He lives in my heart. Mm-hmm. That means I die and then I live again forever in a 
cloudy place with harps and cotton candy mm-hmm. and lots of singing. Yep. Um, but you propose a, a very different, uh, not in opposition to that idea necessarily, but a very different perspective. So give us sort of the general premise. What are you commenting on in terms of maybe some loose characterizations of heaven and eternity that that might be out there i I would actually be quite comfortable in saying it is in opposition to the idea (laughs) of a cloudy cloudy place someday uh yeah these are ideas that are all very organic and all very much tied together and i often think for uh spiritual life as well as other areas the big problem isn't so much the words that we don't know it's the ones that we think we know Hmm. but are just a bit off yeah and that keeps us from uh, a fuller understanding and a deeper life so let's start with the phrase eternal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the book's title actually comes from a little saying that Dallas Willard would utter now and again, eternity is now in session. Mm. And for most people, if you think about eternal life, that sounds like a religious phrase and it sounds like something that you enter into, that it comes after you die. Um, and yeah, if a cartoonist wants to, anytime any famous person dies and a cartoonist wants to picture heaven, it will always be clouds and maybe a gate and yeah. maybe Peter in a robe. And so um, pictures, images are a very deep part of how the mind works. And mm-hmm. most people have that as an initial response to the notion of eternal life. Um, if you look at the Bible... Uh, which is a good idea now and again. (laughs) Jesus actually does quite carefully define eternal life. He only does it one time. It's in the Gospel of John, Mm. John chapter 17, verse 3, when he's praying. And he says uh, to God, now this is eternal life that they, his disciples, human beings, us, know you, the Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Mm. In other words, he defines eternal life as knowing God, not knowing about God, but entering into a participatory, uh, interactive relationship with God. That is how Jesus defines eternal life. Hmm. And it is something, he says, that death is powerless to stop or interrupt, but it doesn't begin there. And this was just a powerful thought for me. Eternity is going on right now. Hmm. As people are listening to this, eternity is going on right now. God is dwelling in eternity. It's not going to start some other time. Mm. And anybody who wants to is invited into an eternal way of life, an eternal quality of life right now. And it is as simple as God is real and God is present and I can surrender to him and be with him and ask for his help in life and trust in his care for me and be delivered from my fears, I can enter into that as far as I am able right now. Wow. It reminds me of um, something you wrote in your book. It says you say that that eternity is something that we experience now through becoming Jesus's disciples, which death then is unable to stop. Mm-hmm. And I love the ordering of that phrase because often I think for most of us, when we think about eternity, the first thing that comes to our minds is death. Mm-hmm. We think, okay, eternity is simply the answer to the question, what happens when I die? But the way you word it is like, no, 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 the, pr- the primary concern with eternity is that we enter into it now as we become followers, apprentices, students mm-hmm. of Jesus. And death happens to be a thing that it 
that cannot stop that mm-hmm. ongoing reality. So uh, I love that idea. And I, could, I can imagine people listening right now who, who may be saying, okay, John, that sounds great. But I have, I have really two then practical questions, just maybe out of curiosity, or maybe I'm thinking about a loved one who's passed. Mm-hmm. Um, when and where? Like when we talk about heaven, mm-hmm. is there any idea of when is heaven mm-hmm. and where is heaven in light mm-hmm. of what you just said about yeah, eternity? Yeah. Um, uh, when I, uh, my friend Dallas died. It was very interesting. He died of pancreatic cancer. So he uh, was diagnosed in August of 2012 and died in May of 2013. And uh, was just an extraordinary person with a wonderful mind but a greater life. And uh, he would uh, sentences would come out of Dallas that just would not come out of anybody mm-hmm. else. And he was talking one time after he'd been diagnosed and he said, you know, uh, I think when I die... It may take some time before I become aware that I have died. Hmm. And I had never thought about that as a possibility before. And he said, um, uh, you know, one of the statements that Jesus makes is, if you trust in me, the one who trusts in me will never taste death. Hmm. Well, what does it mean to taste death? Uh, You know, my life, your life, when we think about it, more than it is anything else, uh, it's an unending conscious stream of thoughts, hmm. um, reflections, observations, desires, intentions. Uh, it is the flow of our consciousness. That is primarily our life. And um, that is what death is not going to stop. Hmm. That will just go right on. And so that thought of, Dallas saying, um, after when I die, it might be some time before I realize it's happened, uh, because the one who trusts in Jesus will not taste death was a very interesting thought, hmm. and so then that raises questions around. Well, then after whatever it is that death is, uh, whatever kind of transition into what's coming next, what will that be like? And I think. Uh, one way of thinking about this is the Bible has lots of uh, images to seek to describe it. Uh, and some of them are very continuous with our life here. And some of them are not continuous with our life here. So uh, the Bible talks a lot about uh, not the destruction of the earth, but the recreation of the earth. Mm-hmm. And in our day, folks like N.T. Wright have written wonderfully about yeah. how uh, redemption is the redemption of creation yeah. uh, and that we can expect in the world to come uh, there will be a San Jose mm-hmm. uh, and th- that it will be redeemed and part of what that means is all of our work on this earth now to care for the planet and the people on the planet is a part of an eternal project mm. um, so uh, there'll be continuity at the same time there'll be lots of imagery in the Bible uh, about fires purifying and so on that suggest that there will be ways in which it will not be continuous. And what exactly that will be like, I don't know. Um, I think generally it's not helpful to think about heaven as way out there someplace, like way past Pittsburgh, because if we think about it that way, we tend to think about God as being real, real far away. Mm. And um, uh, the most important to think uh, point to think about when we think about heaven is... Uh, Heaven is where God is and where God's will is done. Hmm. 
What a wonderful way to put it because it comes back full circle to what you said, it, what Dallas said, eternity is now in session. Yeah. If God is here and his will is being done, just as that prayer that Jesus mm-hmm. taught us to pray yeah. um, longs for, then in some part, heaven is here. Uh, what would you say to the person who says, well, you know, John, I've heard, I've heard some of that before. Uh, my confusion a little bit is the whole, what seems like a contradiction, this whole, you know, some people would phrase it like the now and not yet mm-hmm. reality of heaven yeah. and eternity. Um, is there any further explanation of that? Or is that just a grand mystery we have to just live into and be okay with? Oh, it's, it's a, a wonderful question and a wonderful distinction that I think is, you know, was core to the uh, uh, idea that emerged in Israel over time, um, which has a lot of significance. I mean, I'm not a historian, as I understand it, generally in the ancient world, the idea was that uh, existence is cyclical in nature. Mm-hmm. What goes around comes around the wheel of fortune. It was really in Israel that the idea emerged that human existence is headed someplace. Hmm. And they would talk about the day of the Lord mm-hmm. and the idea that shalom is coming and God will bring it about. And then through Jesus, that idea extended much more broadly to the human race. Eventually, it got more or less secularized into the notion of progress. Mm. And in our day, even if somebody doesn't consider themselves religious at all, there's a general idea that there is such a thing as progress. There was not for the ancients. Uh, We'll ask sometimes, do you think life would be better for the next generation than it was for your generation? That would not have been a question in ancient Greece that would have been Mm. posed. That really is... Uh, part of the gift or legacy or mental apparatus that came from Jesus, uh, you know, initially Israel into the larger world. So, so part of the significance of that already not yet is uh, that history is headed someplace. Mm. Um, part of what confused people in Jesus's day is that Israel was expecting that the day of the Lord would come Uh, that the resurrection would come, sins would be forgiven, the temple would be restored, Israel's enemies would be overthrown. And part of what was so difficult for them to understand was that Jesus was resurrected, but nobody else was resurrected. Hmm. So there were lots of folks in Israel that believed in and were expecting the resurrection. Nobody was expecting that one person would be resurrected Without it was supposed to be a team sport, right? right. <laughs> and so Tom Wright and others have written about that's part of why it was so difficult and took so much time for people to come to understand uh, what it was that Jesus had been predicting. Yeah, uh, it's not that the idea of life after death wasn't a category, but uh, the resurrection of a single person wasn't a category. And what I think that means is that in Jesus, and particularly in his resurrection. Now the kingdom of God, life in God's will and presence is available to people. However, other kingdoms opposed to God's kingdom are still present as well. Hmm. Other wills opposed to God's will are still present as well. And the suffering and the fallout from all of that, cancer and so on, are still present. So part of what we look forward to is right now, his kingdom and his will are present in the midst of opposing kingdoms, one day there will no longer be opposing kingdoms. There will only be his kingdom and wills that are aligned with it. 
and then sorrow and suffering will be no more. So that is the, it is present right now, but it's present in the midst of oppositional kingdoms. Yeah. And, and the not yet is, it is not yet the case that his kingdom is the only kingdom that we yeah. experience. Yeah, that's powerful. I want to ask you um, to speak to two specific groups of people as we sort of wind down here. I guess the first would be everybody. Everybody listening, um, and then I'll get more specific. And, and by everybody, I just mean, you know, when we talk about eternity, when we talk about heaven, whatever people's notion of heaven mm-hmm. may or may not be, the undeniable reality is at least for every sane, normal, fairly, you know, who's normal, but yeah. <laughs> fairly normal person, it is undeniable that if it is an option, we would, we would all choose the option of eternity an eternity full of meaning and purpose and joy. So I want to ask you specifically about that, maybe not even as a question, but in light of your book and in light of this recent work and in light of what you're going to be talking about at the Regeneration mm-hmm. Forum coming up at the end of October, you know, what, what advice would you give for people who long for salvation and the promise of eternal life? And I know that's a big question, but what, what's something you would say to those of us and that's all of us, I think, mm-hmm. who long for that, both now and in into eternity itself. Yeah, uh, I used to ask Dallas sometimes, like, if you want to follow Jesus, what should you do? And he would say, just do the next right thing. Hmm. Whatever the right thing to do is in your life, whoever you find yourself with, whatever choice you find yourself facing, do the next right thing. Hmm. And ask for God's help. And do it uh, humbly and with a spirit of surrender to what is good. And God will lead and guide you through that. Mm. Um, you know, the, the basic prayer is um, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And so for anybody who's listening to us, um, you know, there's uh, often when people think about the future and the afterlife, they think of heaven as the pleasure factory and hell as the torture chamber. Mm-hmm. And that leads to all kinds of problems. Well, then why is God so exclusive? Why didn't he just let everybody up into the pleasure factory? And so it helps to understand heaven is mostly about life with God. Hmm. Uh, In heaven, it will be very hard to avoid God. (laughs) But of course, that raises the question, would I want to be around God all the time? Because it's going to be real hard to sin if God's apparently right there all the time. Yeah. And uh, uh, Dallas would often say about heaven, I'm quite certain that God will let everybody into heaven who can possibly stand it. (laughs) But am I the kind of person that could stand it? And then he would sometimes say of hell, hell is just the best God can do for some people. Wow. Hmm. And so... Uh, what I'd encourage people to do is not to look for what's the transaction where as long as you have enacted it, they have to let you into heaven when you die. Uh, uh, seek God, surrender to him, uh, become a follower of Jesus, devote yourself to him, and and begin by just doing the very next right thing, and then in the next moment, the next right thing. Yeah, that's great. I want to ask you to speak now specifically um, to those who are serving in a local church. Mm-hmm and serving communities of men and women and kids who are um, going through life and uh, the ups and downs of life. You know, I think most of our audience knows you from your your written work and your many incredible books, and maybe they've heard you speak at some conference somewhere. But for me, 
uh, having been a church leader and on staff at churches here, right here in the Bay Area mm-hmm. of California for the last 16 years, I've, I've been able to see from a fairly close distance um, your love and passion for the local church. And, you know, that's not something people on a national level get, but the influence of Menlo Church and how helpful it's been for the church at large here in the Bay Area, which is a really difficult place yeah. to um, serve in a church. Um, in a difficult place in many ways for those who are trying to faithfully follow Jesus. So I know you have a deep love for uh, local churches and local church leaders. What would you say to us um, by means of a challenge and or encouragement um, about how we might engage this existential question that all humans really are Mm -hmm. asking about eternity? What are some even maybe practical things uh, approaches or ways we can be thinking about everything we do, whether it's our preaching and teaching or the way we lead or the way we influence our communities. What would you say to church leaders um, in light of the reality that eternity is in session right now? Yeah. Um, so two messages. Uh, on the challenge side, devoting yourself to the church is a noble thing to do, and it's worth the best energies that you can bring to it. Um uh, you know, uh, becoming a pastor working at a church used to be much more gratifying to people's egos. Hmm. Uh, there was a time uh, for many for many centuries when pastors were the most educated people in their communities. And even in our country, for a long time, pastor sermons were very typically uh, uh, published in newspapers the right. next day. Uh, I don't have a lot of newspapers calling me up <laughs> asking me to <laughs> publish even my best sermons. Uh, we live in a day where increasingly people who want to make a difference do something different with their life than serving the local church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, after 2,000 years, all around the world, the local church has a unique role to play as a steward of the gospel. Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, it can be difficult, it can be frustrating, it can be filled with pain. Uh, there, there simply is no other entity like it. Mm. And so for anybody who's listening to this that serves the church, that seeks to lead there, that tries to help teach or uh, help people worship, uh, it is a noble thing you do. And do not let either the lack of status in the larger community or uh, the difficulty of the labor uh, discourage you. And uh, every morning when you wake up, that statement from Paul, um, therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Uh, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Mm. Um, so th- that would be on the challenge side. It is a noble thing to do and devote yourself to it. On the encouragement side, um, make sure that your life is filled with joy. Mm. Uh, uh, we get to serve the kingdom, but the kingdom doesn't depend on us. Mm. And sometimes, especially if you work at a church, you can start to feel the burden of outcomes and just become obsessive with, how'd that go? How'd that talk go? How'd right. that service go? How'd that, how yeah. did this podcast go? Is this, yeah, am yeah. I losing it yet? <laughs> uh, 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 we work hard and diligently, but our egos are not involved. Our well-being is not involved. Uh, death itself cannot separate us from the love of God, so a bad sermon can't either. <laughs> uh, and it's really important if we're going to be doing the work of Jesus um, that the life of Jesus be in us. Yeah. And so for anybody listening, 
no matter how the work at the church is going, no matter what attendance was last week or what people said about whatever you were doing, um, a life of joy and peace and love is available to you right now, this moment. And it's okay for you to embrace that. Mm. And in fact, uh, you need to have that life in order to minister the kingdom to other people. Wow, that's really great for me personally. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, you know, John, your work, again, has been so helpful and influential uh, in so many ways. Um, and you have a lot of work that's out there and accessible. So let people know what are some of the best ways they can stay connected to you and maybe access uh, not just Eternity is now in session, but all of the work that, that you've done over the years. You know, probably the simplest is just here at the church. We're uh, Menlo.Church, mm-hmm. so anybody can uh, connect online. Uh, there is another website called johnortberg.com. I never go there myself, but <laughs> I'm told that it exists. <laughs> People can find stuff there. There you go. Yeah. And then, of course, Amazon. Just look you up for right. all of your books and yep. written work. John, thanks again so much. We're really looking forward to having you at the Regeneration Forum at the end of October. And um, I think this work, some of your best work, really mm-hmm. important. But in so many ways, your work has um, pushed the local church forward uh, to more faithfully following Jesus. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, Jay. It's my pleasure. Mm-hmm.